Chapter 28 of Innocencia, a story of the prairie regions of Brazil. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Innocencia, a story of the prairie regions of Brazil, by the Viscount of Townai. Translated by James William Wells. Chapter 28. In the House of Cesario. Cyrano's first endeavours, as soon as he was established in the house of his new host, were to create a good impression. He attended to the ailments of a sick slave. He made the most of his acquaintance and friendship with Pereira. He conversed repeatedly about him, and incidentally mentioned Innocencia. Antonio Cesario then inquired, Has Messe seen her? Certainly, replied the youth. The truth is, I cured her of her ague. Ah, she is quite a belle, I believe. So she seems to be. That is, I say so, because anyhow, in a few days from now, she marries. Don't you know that? So I have heard. Well, it is the truth. The bridegroom passed through here and carried with him my consent. He is a well-to-do man. The little one ought to be contented. Ah, not everybody in the Sertau is so fortunate. They have the bad habit about here of blindly arranging marriages, and sometimes a lusty young fellow gets entangled with some old screw, or a pretty girl finds herself bound to some wrinkled old fellow. Cruz. Once the blessed word is given, it is a bond that cannot be broken. It is all over, whether for better or for worse. Cyrano found the occasion propitious and replied with some vivacity. Well, are these ideas not yours also? It depends, responded Cesario cautiously. It is the parents who have to examine into these matters. Without doubt. But suppose... Suppose, for example, that your goddaughter did not like Manasau. If she did not like him? Yes. What does that matter? A girl like her knows not what is good or bad for her. No one would think of consulting her. Women, what they desire is to get married. They draw the line only at carapatos. Footnote. Carapatos are a species of ticks which mainly infest the pastoral regions. End footnote. Because you can't tell which are the males. He laughed boisterously at his concluding assertion. Then, suddenly resuming a serious expression, he asked, Why are we thus chattering on this subject? I am no friend of such things. It seems to be that Messe is a bit of a nomorato himself. I? protested Cyrano quickly. Without doubt. I never talk about such things. Woman is made to live close to her loom, to attend her children, and bring them up in the fear of God. She is not made for a man to converse with, not even to speak about. Thus the same ideas predominated in the mind of Cesario's as in Pereira's, the same gross contempt for the weak sex, the same readiness to suspect any one individual, or to transform the meaning of any careless word dropped in their suspicious hearing. My goddaughter, continued Cesario, ought to raise her hands to heaven, she has found a husband who will make her happy, and the mother of a good round dozen of children. Cyrano trembled, but said nothing. 
Everywhere, fresh obstacles continually arose against him that apparently nothing could surmount. Finally, he decided to seize the bull by the horns. At the worst, he would only receive a rebuff, and in a desperate game, he would hazard yet a daring throw. Senor Cesario, he said on the following morning, I want very much to speak with you in private. With me? Sim, senor. Well, I am here at your orders. I would like to go outside, for what I would say to you no one can. No one ought to hear. Wah, you frighten me. Then have you secrets to tell me? I have. Well then, we will talk outside as you wish. At midday, meet me in my plantation. Do you know where it is? I know. Wait for me by the fallen, withered Peroba tree. I will be there. Long before the indicated hour, Cyrano, consumed with impatience, was at the trysting place. Resolved to relate to this man without reserve the story of his love, to unbosom himself to one whom he barely knew, and who had no reasons for sympathising with him, and on whom above all things depended his happiness, Cyrano considered those moments the decisive ones of his life. Under these circumstances, the mind sees, in all its surroundings, omens of good or evil portent, and on this occasion, all nature seemed to Cyrano to wear a gloomy aspect. Although it did not rain, the sky was heavily overcast with clouds, the heavens were leaden-coloured, and away to the west, masses of dark clouds denoted thunder in the coming afternoon. The locality was also a dreary one. Over a huge area, covered with the pale green verdure of sugarcane, with clusters of flowering tops showing the approach to maturity, here and there arose, in weird grandeur, the massive trunks and leafless branches of colossal trees. Some, from base to topmost boughs, were charcoaled with the past fires of the bush burning, previous to seed time. Others had lost their foliage, in consequence of the deep circumferential incision of the axe, which had impeded the ascension of the sap. These still struggled for life, as was seen in the withered sprouts of the topmost branches. When the day is bright, these scattered giants of the forest, which through the robustness of their hearts had resisted the flames or the force of man, served as perches for innumerable flocks of parrots, parakeetos, lovebirds and macaws, which raise a concert enough to deaden an echo. On this occasion, however, all was silent. Only now and then were heard the blows of the red-crested woodpecker, which, rapidly ascending the trunks by a zigzag route, explored every worm-eaten crevice and cranny. Antonio Cesario arrived at the appointed hour, for protection against any stray jaguar or other wild animal. He carried a gun in his arms. His usually placid face showed more disturbance than mere curiosity explained. Here I am, doctor, he said, resting the weapon against the charred stump of a tree and seating himself close to Cyrano. I am ready to listen to you, just as long as you please. Cyrano had long thought of the approach of this moment, yet now he could find no way to broach his declarations. He had mused continually upon a thousand pretexts, 
but upon nothing had he resolved. It was therefore almost stuttering that he responded. The senor, me, that is, I hope you will excuse the, the inconvenience that, that I give you, I. No, it is no inconvenience at all. But you must be, er, uh, surprised at what I asked, to, to come and speak with me, in such a solitary place, with one who is only a guest, such as any other, such as the many your open house receives every day. Well, really. However, in a short time all will be clear and explained, but if, after I have spoken, I, I offend you, I crave your pardon beforehand, do you hear, Senor Cesario, continued Cyrano after a brief pause. If you saw a man hurrying down a cataract to destruction, and you could throw him a rope and save him, would you not do so? Certainly I would, replied the other, with animation. Even at the risk of my own life, I would refuse help to no man, be he rich or poor, white or black, free man or slave. Well then, exclaimed Cyrano precipitately, I am just such a man, in peril of my life, and who will be lost unless you, and only you, will save me? Repressing the reply of his listener, he continued, Do not think I am mad. No, I am as sound in my mind as you are, and I tell you only the absolute truth. One word will explain all. I die of passion for a woman, and that woman is, is, is your goddaughter, Innocentia. Cesario sprang to his feet in one bound. His lips trembled, his eyes suddenly became bloodshot, and his hand reached for the weapon by his side. What is that you say? he gasped, as he fixed his gaze on Cyrano, who, divining his thoughts, also rose to his feet, and placing himself face to face with Cesario, exclaimed, Kill me, he cried, kill me. I it would be a favour to me to put an end to this wretched life. The other, already repenting of the gesture he had made, and somewhat vexed at his hastiness, replied sullenly, I have no cause to kill you. You never did me any harm. No, proceeded Cyrano, a little unreasonably. I ask you this. If you have any charity, if you are good, if you love your children, if you have a mother in heaven, for all that, on my knees I beg you to kill me. Kill me. And, falling on his knees at the feet of Cesario, he buried his face in his hands. The Miniero contemplated him for some time in great surprise. Presently his countenance softened, and stooping over the young man, he patted him kindly on the shoulder, and gently said, What story is this, doctor? This is madness. Tell me what it all means. I want to know all the ins and outs of your story. I am a man of the Sertau, a miniero of the law, but I know how to treat people properly. On hearing these words, Cyrano recovered some animation, and, Rising to his feet, he seated himself by the side of Cesario, and straightway told him everything. The despair that possessed him, the certainty that he had won the love of Innocencia, and the implacable sentence of Pereira. Cesario listened to him with attention. Only now and then he gravely shook his head, and allowed this exclamation to escape him. Ah, women, women! 
After Cyrano had finished speaking, his auditor gazed fixedly at him, and, with a severe expression, he asked, Now tell me the truth, Doctor. Have you never exchanged words with Innocentia? Never been alone with her? I have, the other somewhat nervously replied. A rush of blood tinged scarlet the face of Cesario. Then, he retorted, The disgrace. Mere dears, cried Cyrano with enthusiasm. May the soul of my mother descend to inferno if Innocencia is not as pure as... Cesario repressed the exclamation with a gesture. Enough, young man, he gravely said. Who swears thus does not lie. I also, in my time, endured an unhappy passion, and know what it is to suffer. Oh, Senor Cesario, save me. What can I do? Do you not know that, now, she does not even belong to her father, her own father. She belongs to the word of honour, and the word of a Miniero is never recalled. Did you not know that, when you allowed love to enter by your eyes? Do not speak about her. Women do not think. What women want is to see men grovelling on their knees after them. They will sacrifice everything to obtain their whims. And for a mere amorous intrigue in the street, pff, away goes the honour of their homes in a second. No, protested Cyrano. She is not so. Then is she better than other women? inquired Cesario disdainfully. Aye, that she is. Better than all in this world. Above her only is Nossa Senora. The enthusiasm with which these words were uttered brought a smile to the face of the Miniero. Rubbish, said he. Well said someone, when he declared that love is lunacy. It makes a man a misery, and... And then, interrupted Cyrano, then what? Have I not already told you enough? My goddaughter belongs to Manasau just as if she were a pistol or a silver-mounted drinking-horn which Pereira had presented to him. There are no means, whatever, of regaining her. The youth, however, was not disheartened. For a long time he spoke with true eloquence, appealing principally to the protection which is due from those who carry a child to the baptismal font, to one second child, to the little pagan for whom the godparent becomes responsible before God. Footnote. In Brazil, the obligations of a godparent to his or her godchild are, by custom, of a very serious and binding character, and especially include the duty of guarding the material welfare and general interests of the godchild. End footnote. Thus striking home through the religious sentiments he considerably affected the feelings of the Miniero. Speak not to me thus, said the latter, for you only want to make me take your views. Who knows, moreover, that Innocentia cares for you? Who, I say? Your own heart whispers it to you, Cyrano calmly replied. You, a man of honour, do you believe I am lying? That all I say is false? Tell me, do you think so? Cesario murmured. Well, let us suppose it is true, but... Ah, cried the youth enthusiastically. You feel that your heart tells you that your own goddaughter is abandoned to her fate, that she will be sacrificed, and now... Ah! You stop your ears, crying, I do not want to hear. 
I do not want to fulfil my sacred promise. Why then did the Senor give his word of honour, about which you think so much? May Nosa Senora protect her and deliver her from this world. Ah, surely this will weigh heavy on your conscience. And when, some day, you hear that Innocencia has died of a broken heart, you will then think to yourself that you lent a hand to dig her grave. Cesario was considerably moved by this appeal, and it was with unfeigned anxiety that he retorted. What stories are these, you tell me? I, in my home, hitherto living so peacefully and interfering with no one, and now here I am, mixed up with all this trouble and mischief. Who sent you here? Who should it be, retorted Cyrano, but Innocencia? I barely knew you. Only once I saw you. No, it was that angel who said to me, Go and appeal to my godfather. It is the last resource, for if he does not protect me then, then indeed we are lost for ever. These words finally convinced Cesario. He remained a while, silently meditating, Cyrano watching him with breathless anxiety. Very well, the Miniero at last observed, in a grave and hesitating tone. I shall have to think over all that you have told me. Oh, Senor Cesario, I will take two days to think the matter over, for once I make up my mind, there's an end of it. At the end of that time, I will mount my horse and ride over to Pereira's house. Yes, yes, murmured the young man. Tomorrow, at daybreak, you must leave here and go and wait for me in Santa Anna. I will go. I am saved. Cesario paused a moment and then said, Listen, I now want you to swear an oath by the ashes of your mother. I am ready. By the salvation of your soul. By the salvation of my soul, repeated Cyrano. By the eternal life. Cyrano bowed his head. Swear. The youth crossed his two forefingers and kissed them with unction, at the same time dropping his eyes and turning pale. You take an oath before you know what it is for, said Cesario. That gives one a good idea of your character. I will do everything to help you, but I impose one condition. If you are ready to accept it, your oath remains good. If not, then it becomes invalid. Maya Dias, what may it be, murmured Cyrano, that you remain waiting for me in Santana. If I appear there within eight days, we will go together to the house of Pereira. If not, it will be a sign that I shall not help you. In that case, you will return here and wait for your baggage, which I will send to fetch. It shall then be understood that never more, never more will you seek to put eyes on Innocencia, neither even speak of her nor mention her name. Do you accept? I accept, responded the young man, with exultation. But remain certain of one thing. If the Senor does not arrive in town by the appointed time, you may pray for the soul of Cyrano, for then he will surely have left this world of afflictions. Cesario sadly shook his head and went away without uttering another word. End of chapter 28 Read by Helena Dunstan, Oxford, February 2022